0: I hope you're encouraged by what God is doing in our midst. It's, it's really our midst, right? It's not Racine Bible Church and then the youth group's kind of over here. We're one church. We're one body. And so we celebrate as one body the work that God is doing here. And there's so much more that we could share about what God is doing. And uh, so much more depth, so many more stories. But we want to turn our attention for a few minutes to god's word together and preaching today is our summer intern caleb bielgard caleb is going into his senior year at parkside in the fall and he's been interning at rbc this summer he's done a great job of leading bible studies of leading trips of um, leading our abf and just so encouraged by the work that god is doing in him Uh, he has a desire to do ministry full-time with kind of an eye for pastoral ministry so we're eager to see how the Lord will lead him this next year. Caleb genuinely loves Jesus. His character is godly and, and if you, if you know him, you know this about him, he really wants others to know Jesus. He is, is so faithful in evangelism and so excited to encourage others to continue to follow Jesus. So. Um, As he preaches, or before he preaches, I guess, I want to just commend him to you. And let me pray for him now. Father, I thank you for the good work that you have done this summer. We have so much joy seeing you at work. And now, Father, give Caleb grace as he preaches. Help him not to be nervous, but to boldly bring your word. Help us as hearers to listen well and to love Jesus more because of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. I've been interning, as Dan said, at RBC this summer, and I wanted to say thank you for that opportunity. I have absolutely loved it. It has been fantastic. And one of my highlights has been... On a day-to-day basis being able to spend time with our pastors here we have five of them and um, i've mainly been with dan but i've been with the other pastors as well and it is sweet to see them on a day-to-day basis and to see how serious they take their walk with jesus i hope you guys don't take it for granted that we have five pastors who are legit and who love you well and who love jesus well and this summer i guess i've just come to the realization that i am proud to be led by them and i'm just thankful to the lord for that and i trust you guys feel the same way I, hope, I also hope that you guys don't brush over what we saw God do this summer. Um, it went through kind of quick in the videos, but we saw God save people, which is the greatest thing that can happen to someone. The greatest thing that can happen to someone is not that they would have a good family or have a lot of money or have a nice life. The greatest thing that can happen to someone is for them to have their sins forgiven, and we got to see that this summer. And I hope you guys don't brush over that quickly and you are excited about it well today i have the privilege the privilege of sharing from god's word and i got to pick my own passage so if you have a bible you can grab it um if you do not have one you can reach under the seat in front of you and pull one out we'll be on page 907 in that bible it is john chapter 21 it is a story of Jesus having breakfast with his disciples. And as far as I know, this is the only time in the Bible where this story, a um, story with Jesus having breakfast with his disciples is recorded. So John 21, you guys can open up to that right now and I will read it for us. I will pray and we will dive into it. Um, if you guys are looking at your watches, we don't have a ton of time. So this will be a nice and quick message for you guys. So um, you'll be able to follow along pretty easily. So John, <clears throat> John chapter 21 Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word. I thank you for giving me this opportunity, God, even though I am unworthy, and I pray that your glory would be on full display. I pray that you would help me to make Jesus look beautiful, and I pray that you would work in the hearts of everybody listening here this morning. God, we love you, and I pray for this time in your name. Amen all right a quick recap of where we are in the book of john jesus has had three years of ministry now on earth and he's had 12 disciples and he's done life with these disciples so he's eaten meals with them he's done miracles with them he's spent time with their families and he's taught them and the religious leaders eventually kind of got fed up with jesus and as a result they were very jealous and they came up with a plan to put jesus to death And this plan involved one of Jesus' disciples, Judas, betraying him. And Judas then did betray Jesus. And the night of the betrayal, all of Jesus' disciples fled. They all ran the scene. And actually, kind of one of the top disciples, Peter, he's kind of the head of the disciples, he actually went so far as to deny Jesus. He denied knowing Jesus and being with Jesus. And that night, Jesus died alone. And he then rose from the dead, just like he said he would. And he is now revealing himself to his disciples, showing them that he is alive. And that is where our story takes place today. If you see in verse one, it says that Jesus was revealing himself again to his disciples by the sea of Tiberius, which is also known as the sea of Galilee. And in verse 2, our characters start to be introduced, and listed first is Simon Peter. He is kind of the leader of the disciples. If you guys remember in some of the chapters in, like, John 6, a lot of followers of Jesus are leaving Jesus, and Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, Are you going to leave me also? And Peter speaks up for the disciples and he says, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So Peter kind of speaks up for the disciples. And on the the mountain when Jesus is transfigured before the disciples, um, it's Peter and James and John, and they don't really know what to say. And Peter kind of speaks up, and he's like, we could make tents here. Maybe that'd be good. And it wasn't really the right thing to say, but you can kind of see he speaks up for the disciples. And here in verse 3, we see Peter kind of say something, and the disciples follow. Peter says that he is going to go fishing. And as a result, the disciples say that they will go with him. So that night they go out fishing and it says that they catch nothing. Now, some of us maybe have fished before and we've experienced catching nothing, but we probably haven't fished for this long. I fish for maybe 20 or 30 minutes, cast a few times, then I go back and I'll grill out and just relax. I don't like to fish for a long time. And these disciples, they fish all night and they catch nothing. And these guys, they they did this before they followed Jesus. They were professional fishermen and they catch nothing. So you can imagine how frustrated they are. They are probably tired, they're hungry, they're wet, they're cold, and they have no fish to show for it. Well, verse 4, our main character begins to be introduced. This is Jesus, and he's standing on the shore at daybreak, and you can kind of picture this scene, right? You've got the sun coming up, the disciples are on the boat, Jesus is on the sand, and maybe there's birds, and you can hear the waves crashing. You kind of smell the scene, and then in verse 5, Jesus calls out to them. He says, children, Do you have any fish, right? And Jesus, he knows all things. He knows that they didn't catch any fish, but he still wants to draw out that they have no fish. And you can see their response, right? They don't want to give a long, drawn-out answer. They give a simple no. They are not happy about it, right? They just say, no, there's no explanation. They've had to yell now in front of whoever is on this this sea and whoever's on land that they have no fish. It's kind of embarrassing. Well, Jesus addresses it in verse 6. He tells them to cast their net on the right side of the boat. And this, if you guys are logical, makes absolutely no sense, humanly speaking. They have caught no fish all night, so casting the net on the other side of the boat is not going to do anything. There's just no fish. But you can see what happens here. They do it, and as a result, they are not able to haul in the amount of fish because there are so many fish. This is just an incredible miracle. Jesus has all these fish come into their net, and they catch just a ton of fish. And right away, they should take them back. Maybe you guys If you're married, maybe you guys had a a song at your wedding where whenever you hear it, it kind of takes you back to that night, or if you guys have some close friends, maybe the first time you met them, wherever that was at, if you ever are at that location, you remember the first time you met your friend. And Jesus, when he first called these disciples, he did this exact same miracle. In Luke chapter 5, they caught no fish at night, and then Jesus came and he said, cast your nets on the other side of the boat, and they did it, and the same thing happened. They caught a ton of fish. They were unable to haul it in, and as a result, they got their nets, they brought them to shore, and they left everything, and they followed Jesus. And it was just incredible so they should be having a flashback right now and i had a flashback like this this summer um, i was at camp ripley and you didn't really get to see it in the videos but on the last day of camp tons of kids were broken over their sin and they were weeping over their need for a savior and they were talking about how they needed to have their sins forgiven their debt paid and they were just weeping it's so broken and it reminded me of A year and a half ago, right before COVID happened, I went back and looked in my journal so I could get it right of a friend of mine who was weeping. And it started like this. On February 7th in my journal, my prayer request was that my friend Josh would text me back. That was my prayer request. My friend Josh had walked away from Jesus. We were close friends and he walked away from Jesus and he was at the point where he wouldn't even text me back. He wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Well, on February 8th, I had received a text back from my friend, Josh had texted me back. And I texted him back and I invited him to come to a Tuesday night men's Bible study. And I was praying that he would come to that. On February 9th, Josh agreed to come to a Tuesday night men's Bible study and I was thrilled. So I prayed on the, on the 9th and on the 10th that Josh would actually come to Tuesday night. And on February 11th, that was actually the Tuesday. And I woke up that morning and I had a text from Josh saying not only that he would come to Tuesday night, but that he would actually get dinner beforehand and talk about where he was at. So that morning I wrote in my journal, God save Josh tonight. Well, that that night, February 11th, right before Tuesday night men's Bible study, we went to Jose's blue sombrero and God broke Josh. We were talking about um, how Jesus says, come to him all who are weary and heavy laden and he will give them rest. And Josh broke and he wept and he said, I need that rest. I have this sin and I need rest in Jesus. And he broke and he wept. And that night in the parking lot, he gave his life to Christ. And then we went to Tuesday Night Men's Study, and he wept in front of the men and said, guys, I need help, I need accountability. I don't know how I'm gonna be able to stop sinning. I've just known this my whole life, and I need Jesus' help. I need your accountability to help kill this sin. Now, the sweet part is we fast forward a year and a half later, and we go to Outpost, and we have a leader on that trip, Josh Weber, who got saved. And Josh is praying for the trip leading into it, and he's on the trip, and he's sharing the gospel with students, and students actually get saved on this trip as a result of Josh being a youth leader. And for me, this is incredible to see how powerful God is and to see how he worked. And I'm wondering, have you guys seen that in your life? Have you guys seen God work in big ways in your life? Maybe he's answered, answered a big prayer request. Maybe there's something you were praying for and you were just like, God, I need, you to, see, I need to see you answer this. Maybe uh, you were really dry spiritually and every time you got in the word, you were just like, I'm not getting anything. And then God spoke to you through his word and he showed up. Maybe you were really down and he sent someone to encourage you at just the right time. I wasn't gonna share this, but it's incredible. These first three rows, we got to see Darren baptize his son today. In the second row, we have the West who now have their son, Andre, who they just adopted, who we've been praying for. And in the third row, we have Mike Cook who was on his deathbed and who got miraculously healed. And I just think it's so incredible how much God has worked. And I guess my word to you guys is don't forget how God has worked. Constantly be remembering and sharing with people how God has worked in your lives. If your parents, tell your kids how God has saved you, tell your kids how God has changed you and how he's turned you into the parents that you are today. Well, following this huge catch, something incredible happens in verse 7. It may not seem like it, but it says that Peter jumps in the water and he's going back to Jesus. And this kind of seems like maybe he's just excited to see Jesus, but this does not add up in my head. Because like we talked about, Peter has done something really, really bad. He has adamantly denied Jesus right maybe you guys have a friend and you've wronged them really bad and when you do that you do not want to be around this person cuz you just feel guilty or maybe in a spiritual sense right if you've sinned or given into a sin that you've done a lot or you've you've done something just really really bad and you feel it in your gut kind of the last thing you want to do is to be at church or be praying or in the word cuz you're just guilty you just want to be away from that and that's not what we see Peter do here he goes straight to Jesus and the question is why why is he able to go to Jesus well we'll answer that here in just a second We see in verse 9 when they get back to shore that there is a fire in place. And this should be another flashback for Peter, right? You guys remember when he denied Jesus where he was? He was right around a fire. So he gets to this fire now. What's got to be racing through his mind? Man, I failed. I came up short. I denied Jesus who I love. But this is why he's able to go to Jesus. Look at this story, right? There's half a verse on the miracle. That's not the big part. Jesus does love them. He gives them the miracle. He gives them 153 fish It's recorded. But not only that, in verse 12 it says that, or, well, in verse 9, first off, they get back, right, and we said they're hungry, they're tired, they're cold, and Jesus has a fire waiting for them, right? So they come around this fire, and now they're able to warm up. Jesus cares for their needs. They're hungry, they've been fishing all night, and Jesus has what? He's got bread and he's got fish waiting for them to address their needs. In verse 12, Jesus not only uh, has breakfast ready for him, but he invites them to come and have breakfast with him, right? Jesus could easily replace them and say, here, you guys are, are done, all right? Here's your breakfast, we're parting ways now, you guys have failed me too many times We're done. And instead Jesus says, come and have breakfast with me. And not only that, in verse 13, he takes the bread and he takes the fish and he serves them breakfast. These guys have left him, they fled, they left the scene, they ran. Peter adamantly denied Jesus and look at how Jesus responds. He serves them, he gives them a meal, he welcomes them back with open arms. And I love in verse 12 that none of them ask who it is. They don't ask if it's Jesus, they know it's Jesus because they've seen Jesus for these three years do exactly this they've seen Jesus care for the 5,000. It says that Jesus had compassion on them and that he then feeds them. And at the Last Supper, right, when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, Jesus is about to go and die and he's washing his disciples' feet and they know that it is Jesus. And maybe some of you are here today and you see these baptisms, you hear the testimonies and you see Jesus' love in this in this passage and you don't know what that means. You've heard it maybe your whole life and maybe everyone assumes that you know it, but. Maybe you don't know what it means to be loved by Jesus. And Jesus says, anyone who calls on his name will be saved. And today, you can have your sins forgiven. If you've never trusted Jesus to save you, today can be the day. And what he did on the cross can be personal for you, and your sins can be washed away. And if you guys are Christians, what a friend we have in Jesus. He will always take us back. No matter how bad we screw up, we can always run back to him, and he will welcome us and love us with open arms. I wanted to finish with this quote from a book called Gentle and Lowly that I really like, Jesus. It's talking about Jesus and it says, Jesus does not love like us. We love until we are betrayed. Jesus continued to the cross despite betrayal. We love until we are forsaken. Jesus loved through forsakenness. We love up to a limit. Jesus loves to the end. What a friend we have in Jesus. I'm gonna pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for the work you've done in the youth this summer and the work of um, this church, God. We thank you for how you've grown everyone here, God, and I pray that you continue to grow us. I pray that when we fall short, God, I pray that we would run to Jesus and I thank you that he welcomes us with open arms. I thank you for what he did on the cross so that we don't have to go to hell when we die. I thank you that we can have our sins completely forgiven. So we love you and we thank you for today. In your name, amen.